Hello, and welcome back to Sustainability Warriors. Yay! Today we have a very special guest, um, Dr. Lisa Powell. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Lisa Powell, Professor of Theology and Director of Women and Gender Studies at St. Ambrose. Yay! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Today our topic is eco-ableism, and Dr. Powell has done a lot of research and is working on a book, right, on it? I wouldn't say a lot of research on eco-ableism. I have, I am contributing a book chapter on that, too. Well, that's more than we've done on it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I read, like, two articles. (laughs) Yeah. But first, we wanted to start with some fun questions, Mm -hmm. just to kind of get to know each other. So (laughs) we always have to ask, what is your favorite bathroom on campus and why? I thought about this question. (laughs) Um... I have a couple least favorite, so I'm going to go there. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Uh, Yes, yes. There is a bathroom in Hayes on the first floor of Hayes that is by the stairwell. Like if you go past that drinking fountain. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. That has such narrow stalls that when I was pregnant, I had to straddle the toilet (gasps) to close the door. Oh, my gosh. Because... It's that tiny. And I'll be, and as I told you when we came in here today, the Galvin women's bathroom, Ah. (laughs) which I know is your favorite. It is beautiful tile. That is some amazing tile work. Really retro, like chairs. Yeah. The chair in the corner. Maybe that's supposed to be a nursing station, breastfeeding station, but there is no handicap accessible. Stall, so mm-hmm. I always find that strange. And again, I learned about how important it is to have big stalls when I was massively pregnant. And mm-hmm. yeah, you need you just need more space. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Do you have a favorite? I mean, the one downstairs by my office. Oh yeah, because there are fewer. I don't like to like go to the bathroom when there's students in the bathroom too. That always feels weird. We're like at. You know, washing her hands. <laughs> so like that one is usually, that one's, you know, less frequented. Mm. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, our next question is, what is your favorite TV show? Oh, I, you know, I saw these questions in advance, and then I forgot to think them through. <laughs> um, well, most recently, I don't know if it's a TV show, though. Midnight Mass. Oh, yeah. I've always wanted to watch that. Oh my roommate gosh. watched it. Amazing. Hmm. But it's a cereal. That. Is that what you call it? A cereal? Is that what they call those? Um, like, what's, what's a cereal? It's like just a limited show. Oh, so it's a show, short. but so it it's only, like only has season. eight episodes or something. Oh. I watch a lot of those, especially mm-hmm. yeah. mysteries, Ooh. British mystery shows, murder <laughs> mysteries, Ooh. PBS Masterpiece. And Masterpiece Mysteries. Oh. Sanditon Season 2 is out right now. What's that? It's um, it's a show based on a novel that Jane Austen never finished. Oh. Uh, that sounds interesting. I like those period pieces, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, nice. A little romance. <laughs> a little romance. <laughs> so our next question is, well, first of all, happy birthday. Yeah, happy We're birthday. So excited that you're here on your birthday. How but- old are you? Laura. That is inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. I turned 47 today. 
Ooh. There we go. Uh-huh. I'm not ashamed. We can't be ashamed of our age. Exactly. The shaming of women around age. Yes. Exactly. You're right. <laughs> Laura's just going for it. <laughs> um, but Laura told me that you like sparkling water a lot. So I wanted to know. <laughs> she brought one can. with her. I wanted to Probably know. laziness. What you like about it. It's refreshing. Mm. I don't have a huge sweet tooth, so mm. I don't drink sodas or juice. And yeah. Yeah, I, it's delicious. I love the burn of the carbonation. Nice. The burn. <laughs> yeah. But for your birthday, we did get you some LaCroix mm, in your my favorite. favorite. Yes. It was funny. I went to Aldi to try to find it, the flavor you yeah. wanted. And there's like so many other flavors out of the same color. So I was like digging through these boxes of these cans wow. and I could not find it. But Laura That's found because it. Because it's the most favorite. It's like everyone's favorite. Oh, Is that it? makes sense. I was putting in the time, though, like trying a, to find it. That is so sweet. I would have taken anything that is not berry. A lot of like, them are berry, I think it's like cranberry, Cranberry. Though. Cranberry is tart. Yeah. Oh. But it's even though the, it's no sugar, somehow the berry is just feels sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. But thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I am out in my office right now, so I... Perfect. Oh, we just days. knew that. We, just, we knew we that. We sensed it. You yeah. <laughs> yep. It's because I and it, as the sustainability warriors that you are, you should probably be concerned about the amount of <laughs> of aluminum cans that I go through. Yeah, I'll like walk into it. her office and she'll have like seven on That's her because desk because I recycle them and I <laughs> have to do I have to walk them to the recycle bin. I, I do to- have an airstream at my house so Ooh. that I can make my own. In glass bottles. Oh. So you can carbonate your own water. So at home, I don't go through nearly as many. Oh. I got cool. that for my birthday a couple years ago. Ooh. That's a cool gift. It is. It is. Sustainable. Yay. <laughs> yes. I think our next question is our oh. favorite. Yes. If you want to read um, it, Laura. So if you could start a cult on campus... What would the premise of the cult be, and what would you believe in? Right. Let me have a follow-up question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. If I were to – that makes me very uncomfortable. Um, only because I don't want to have disciples. Oh, <laughs> why not? <laughs> um, if I were to have a cult, it would be goddess mm. Gaia. Gaia. Wait, what's like Gaia? like a whole thing. Gaia is, I think – of word for a female god oh. instead of goddess hmm. Gaia there are, there are feminist theologians who oh I should say who are not theologians they're thea logians oh. that's cool I like that thea being the female version of theo mm-hmm. god yeah Okay, and then how would you, like, lure vulnerable people into a cult? Because <laughs> we asked this question before, like, the first one, but we're building on it now. Oh, yeah, we're going to get more specific like the... each guest. Right, about, I think it was thing. who, I thought the last time it was, like, who would have a cult? Yeah. yeah. But now it's if I had a cult. And how would be, you get people to how, join? Yeah, how would you get people to join? We would have people? full equality and embracing of all of people's humanity and mm. support full human flourishing. Unlike most other religions, so it's going to say be- it in name only, but do <laughs> support the full flourishing of all people. So you're going to be a good cult leader. A good cult. Yeah, we're just going to spread love. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's a better answer than I would have had. I want to do something evil. I know. I'd do something <laughs> like... I want power. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I would join that cult. Yeah. Fine. I feel like it would. it's like rebranding the cult. I know. It's really just Christianity, but like liberal. Better. Reminds me of like dancing in like the meadow with like skirts. Oh, yeah. Something. We would definitely do lots of dancing as <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I do love to dance. So we would need to have some bonfires dancing mm-hmm. around yeah. the bonfire. I love that. It's amazing. We should start that now. When I was in college, which was a little bit cultish because I went to this really conservative college, <clears throat> super, super conservative. I think everyone was really repressed in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of of nude things, oh. but like all girls. Lots of skinny dipping, lots of streaking. That's fun. So in my mind, I'm like, there needs to be skinny dipping under the full moon. <laughs> you know, Some... I think that sounds good. I think we should start it. <laughs> I think we should start it. Well, you know, they say how like strict parents make like sneaky children. Oh, this sounds like yeah. similar thing, yeah. you know? But we were so good. It's like, <laughs> we're so, so good. Except for like skinny, skinny dipping. <laughs> <laughs> Just with our girlfriends. I mean, it was like, yeah. we were... We didn't drink alcohol. We didn't barely kiss our boyfriends. We were Dang. upright, young yeah. Christian ladies. <laughs> Christian ladies. <Yes. laughs> All right. Shall we move on to our featured topic today? <laughs> so I have a little blurb here about what eco-ableism is. But it's basically uh, just a form of ableism or discrimination in favor, favor of able-bodied people. So, like, the world is designed for people who are able-bodied, and a lot of times people who are disabled are forgotten. But um, eco-ableism, so it has to do with the environment. Um, so there's different ways, which we'll talk about, in which, like, envi- it's more like environmental movements, I feel like, mm-hmm. kind of push disabled people out, but also, like, things with climate change that will make people dis- disabled people more disadvantaged as well. Um, but like some of the things that we try to do to help save the environment are turned out to be actually really bad for disabled people. Mm-hmm. Like for example, like straw bans are really bad for disabled people, which sounds like kind of weird because you wouldn't think about it. Like that's the thing that I think happens a lot with disabled people is we forget about the struggles mm-hmm. that they have. So like for example, like a straw ban would be like so no plastic straws for customers um and i'm looking at this paper i wrote when i was a freshman here and oh my gosh i (laughs) definitely got a little bit better at writing um but so those at least that was in 2018 which i'm only 22 but it seems like a while ago but anyway um so there were some straw bans like going around then so like you could get they wouldn't have plastic straws for you. Like this is like in Seattle, for example, but they'd have like paper straws or like biodegradable straws. But if a lot of people like don't like those cause they're soggy, mm-hmm. which can be a risk for disabled people, depending on your disability, because you can like bite it off and like swallow it an accident. Um, and other things like that. And also like metal straws can be bad if you're disabled too, because it could be like uh, lots of different reasons cause they're really hard and they like conduct heat and cold. So that's not always a good thing. Also, the adjustable nature of straws. Yes, of the bendy straws. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, plastic straws, 
are really like when those were invented it was really helpful to people who struggled with eating and drinking in that way and like even like looking at some research straws really don't have that large of a environmental impact which like saying if you don't need to use straws like plastic straws I wouldn't if you can help it but like so like the gar- Pacific garbage patch that's like in the Pacific Ocean mm-hmm. is very very big um, but most of it is like fishing nets from like fishing boats so and there's like very few straws in there mm-hmm. so that's like kind of what the data I saw and that's basically the thing so we can't just ban straws without thinking about disabled people is basically the gist of that yeah do you have any more insight on straws in the context of equal equal ableism um yeah i i heard about it at a at a conference where we were talking about disability and someone said it was this ridiculous science project of of an elementary school student and i thought they were just speaking sort of sarcastically mm-hmm. or hyperbolically but it was actually a nine-year-old whose idea I saw I just read up on it because <laughs> I knew I was coming um his, his idea was that they just put him in everyone's drinks automatically yeah mm-hmm. and then if we just cut it back so that we asked do you need a straw with that it would make people more aware of whether or not they really needed a straw and you wouldn't have all the people with straws in their cups that they immediately just take out because they don't want a straw to begin with. Mm-hmm. So that in and of itself would just make people more aware of their plastic use. Um, but yes, this is all out ban and this sort of this sudden vilification of people who use straws and yeah. the tendency and, and eco-ableism is specific to the tendency amongst people concerned about the environment to not consider the needs of people with disabilities. And really this is true of so much discourse around marginalized communities that the disabled are the ones who are always forgotten mm-hmm. from these discussions. So, you know, we'll talk about race, we'll talk about gender, but very rarely do we consider the experience, the lived experience of people with disabilities in our society and mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. So like what what got you in, interested in eco-ableism or like started on the journey? Um, I, well, I do, I do a lot of research in disability and, um, I'm involved in a, in a professional society, the Society of Christian Ethics, and, uh, it came up at, um, one of our conferences and so, yeah, I, that was the main reason why I got interested in that intersection, um, but I'm interested in discourse around disability and the ways that disability is is talked about or not talked about the way it's silenced so yeah we can talk about the research i've done on that at some point whenever yeah. we get to that but yeah, yeah. sure yeah that's so interesting though. i mean i'm always like all intersecting ways of uh, that oppression works is fascinating yeah to me. i know like i had no idea this existed before you walked into your office and you're like can i do eco ableism and i was like what is that yeah. yeah and i read about it and i was like this is fascinating mm-hmm there's there's all this work in say in liberation theology on the poor and the earth and then in feminist theology about the earth and and women and the way that women are associated with the earth and mm-hmm. so when the earth is oppressed women are also sort of simultaneously being oppressed because of the way western philosophy has associated women you know mother earth right and the poor and the way that the oppression of the poor is the oppression of the earth and the 
you know, the, the poor obviously suffered the consequences of environmental destruction. Um, they experienced that much more acutely than people of privilege. Um, so there's all these ways in which environmentalism intersects with other discourses around oppression and suffering. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing too, I think we talked about this in, I don't know what episode, but like if you're chronically ill, how you have to take a lot of medications oh. too. So like pill right. bottles and like you can't, it's plastic. Yeah. So that's another thing too. You can't always judge people on their plastic use because you don't know what they're like right. going through with their health and stuff like that. Right. I mean, and I'm sure you all talk about it. I mean, it's like the corporations, Yeah, you know, it is like, you know, you have all these people who, you know, I think about like working moms who are single moms who are working two jobs and they're, and can, the convenience factor matters, you right. know, and do they have time to rinse out all of these, you know, yeah. glass jars and, you know, I don't yeah. know, but <clears throat> it's, um, it's hard because then there's all this guilt and you want to make change and it really matters what people do. But also we just let corporations, Mm -hmm. you know, pillage. And I mean, I hate to use the word rape. People use the word rape all the time. I don't like using it, but that, Mm -hmm. you know, the idea of just destroying the earth to make profit. And then it's really like all these individual peoples who are feeling guilty. And then it's the poor that are going to suffer the consequences. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. it's messed up. Yeah. I've noticed that, especially with our, like, how our food is, especially in the United States, how all of it's like packaged in plastic and how like mm-hmm. we can't really get around it. Right. Like someone the other day was like making fun of me. They're like, oh, that's a lot of plastic with your food. I'm like, yeah. what am I supposed to do? Like I'm like traveling with right. it. So yeah. I can't just go like buy a bunch of fresh fruit and like travel with it. It's going to get squished. I like yogurt. Yeah. I don't have time to make my own yogurt. I know people <laughs> who make their own yogurt. Really? Yeah. I, yes. How do you make your own yogurt? Like, it's like what's a, the process. A culture, like a yogurt culture. I don't I feel like I'd make it's myself like sick. My husband is trying to make his own kombucha. <laughs> oh. oh. Is that good? I never really had that. He loves kombucha. <laughs> I've heard it tastes like dirty, like water. But it that's look liquor. That good, but it tastes like, like vinegar, s- kind of. It looks like it would be sweet, though. Yeah, it does look like like it tastes like tea or something they have all sorts mm. so you have sparkling water and he has kombucha kombucha yes. he likes sparkling water too though nice <laughs> we bond over <laughs> speaking of that laura what's your favorite drink of choice like uh, in general what's your go-to yeah what do you what water do you dr- i don't know yeah honestly that me too I, I like, a, like a really nice Cold glass of water that you can like feel like going down your body. right. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm like, not into pop that much, and I like orange juice and like apple juice, I guess. But mm-hmm. no. I also like water. I like water. <laughs> Boring, I guess. But I have That's to good. run, so I have to drink water. Yeah. Also, I literally like pass out. Do you have a better drink of choice? Mm, I like Coke, but mm-hmm. I I try not to drink it that much because it like kind of dehydrates you, or at least mm. I think it does. I damn to know, but <laughs> I know that I need to drink water, so that's what I drink most of the time. Yeah, I like Propel, yeah. like the kiwi strawberry, but it's in like plastic, so right. Yeah. I like lemonade. That's what I like. Oh, lemonade's good too. Yeah, it's so much sugar in drinks though. Yeah, that's why sparkling us. water is good because there's like no sugar. Oh, yeah. see, it's healthy and I'm worried that what all this carbonation is like doing to my insides 
don't know. Didn't you say that? Oh, no. That if you drink, like, from the cup, it also impacts, like, your teeth. Instead oh. of, like, drinking from a straw. I th- did I tell you that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I drink also drink a lot of tea. Mm-hmm. And it, if you drink it with a straw, it doesn't hit your teeth as much. So you have less staining of your teeth. That's like a, a vain concern. But oh, yes, it's probably true. Maybe with sugar drinks too. I don't know. But I never I feel like teeth that. hygiene is like important to most people. So. That's true. That's why I'm sure that it's a multi billion dollar crest yeah. <laughs> strip in the you know? yeah yeah okay. yeah but uh do you want to get into a little bit about your chapter that oh, you yeah. wrote so the paper and i presented it at this conference and then it's gonna be in this book but um so that was on the way that environmental um discourse uses the impact of environmental pollution on people's bodies to encourage people, to move people to action. So for example, lead poisoning in Flint. So there'll be all these ad campaigns, get the lead out, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and, the, and the, the words and the, like the text on this movement, and there's a social media movement too, says, did you know that children who are exposed to lead will be shorter in stature? They will, you know, have learning disabilities, higher risk of lower IQ. And so they use people's fear of disability Mm. to motivate people to act. So what's the great, big, terrible result of environmental pollution? Kids with disabilities. Mm. And so they're they're degrading the lives of people with disabilities and children who have, I mean, one of the, it literally says shorter in stature. Like, come on. Like, this is, this is, you know, American values, you know, mm-hmm. at its height where it's like, oh, we, we want our people to be tall. Well, you know, all our presidents have to be tall. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, you know, behavior issues, lower IQ. Mm-hmm. So, so it is trying to motivate people to action by by really leveraging people's fear of disability. So it just perpetuates ableism um, by doing that. And there's a number of examples of campaigns that that rely on that fear. And so I think the the idea is that it's hard because you want you also want to be like let's get the you know lead is poisoning children, mm-hmm. and it's particularly poisoning children in black and brown communities. Mm-hmm. Um, but how can we talk about the destruction to the environment as the the world has a value of its own and yeah. nature has a value of its own and all of the the ecosystems and um the the lives not only human life but plant life biological life i mean the different forms of life that also matter and also are really important to life on this planet as a whole mm-hmm. so can we do we not have enough care for actually the life of the planet, to be able to harness that for people to stop polluting water? Mm-hmm. Um, or do we have to just sort of have this reflex to anti-disability? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. obviously no one wants to be disabled, but the way you talk about it is very important because mm-hmm. you don't want to shame people that are. Right. So. And, like, aren't there a, ver- like a spectrum of disabilities? Like, you don't might have, like, ADHD, but it's not, like, the same thing as having... Yeah, I mean it's I mean it's tricky because yes, people don't 
go choose to have a disability. Mm. But also people who are born with disabilities don't necessarily want their disabilities taken away. Yeah. Because they're like, this is what my body has always been. This, I understand myself in this particular embodiment. Mm-hmm. And I would just like for society to welcome my embodiment and to not create so many barriers to my access to all sorts of things like the bathroom, mm-hmm. right. you know. Um, so it's, a, it's more complicated than able-bodied people like myself tend to think. You yeah. know, we just think, of course, you don't want your children to have dis. Well, yes, but... It's also okay if your children has right. to have has a disability. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we hold that together mm-hmm. um, and hear and and pay attention to what people from the disability community are really saying about their experience? I like this whole. I mean, my daughter has ADHD, and really, it just means she has a harder time in school. Mm-hmm. If school wasn't structured the way school is structured right now, she would be fine, and she probably wouldn't need to be on medication because. Her brain is amazing. Her brain fires, you know, in the seven directions at once, yeah. <laughs> multitask, unlike anything I've ever witnessed. Uh, but she can't, she can't think and do the work like they want her to do in school. So, so I wouldn't want to take away her ADHD because it is what makes her brain amazing. But um, unfortunately, we have to, we've we have come to the point where we think it's better for her and for her self-esteem for her to be able to fit in mm-hmm. and not get just, you know, heckled by her teacher all the time for her way of of working. Yeah. Do you think we're becoming more accepting of disabilities or is it getting worse? Because I feel like with like moving online to a lot of things, like that could be better or worse for differing disabilities but maybe you can work at your own pace then but also like with COVID we also see that like people don't really care that there's like a mass like disabling event happening so like do you think it's getting better or worse? I think there's a chance that we're becoming um, more accepting of neurodivergent individuals. I don't know that we're becoming more accepting of um, developmental disabilities mm-hmm. or physical disabilities. Mm-hmm. Actually, no. I mean, in fact, the, I mean the rates of of abortion of of babies that will be born with a developmental disability are just increasing as we have more and more technology to detect mm-hmm. if a baby's going to have Down syndrome, which is really unfortunate for a lot of reasons um, because we're saying, oh, a a, dis- a, a baby with Down syndrome isn't going to have a good quality of life, which is not true at all. Mm-hmm. And um, the more disability, the more disabled people that we have in our midst, the more tolerant we become. Mm-hmm. So the fewer and fewer disabled people that we have in our communities um, means we are less and less tolerant of them. So the fewer and fewer people born with developmental disabilities like Down syndrome it means that it's only going to get harder for people who do have those mm-hmm. um, conditions and yeah physical disability I don't think we're making a whole lot of progress on that either actually yeah I've heard a lot of people say that like if you do want to have kids like you have to accept the fact that they could be disabled and if you can't accept that fact then don't have kids because how are you gonna 
have a kid and then if it's disabled be like oh I wish I didn't have kids like some people are that bad with it Mm -hmm. I mean I feel like a lot of people that I know of who do have kids that are disabled they like like learn and like grow with Mm -hmm. that but I don't know some people just aren't yeah they just can't see that side how that you can love like whatever your kid is like Mm -hmm. I guess you're right it can be hard like it's not like easy but I think people need to know like that everyone's not like them and doesn't learn the same way like how you said and they have like special gifts that we don't have Mm -hmm. so I don't know if we had more supports for families I mean there's a reason why people don't want maybe to have children with disabilities I mean you don't want your kid to have a harder time Mm -hmm. and society is so unaccepting um, but also, we don't have the social net. We don't yeah. have the support. So what happens when someone has a child with a disability, if you're not in a state that has good supports, mm-hmm. then you're just on your own. So one of the, I mean, it just, it's, it's very hard, that kind of burden on on parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who they had a, a child with de- developmental disability. So just sort of everything seemed typical you know at first but then all the developmental milestones she kept falling behind and they they can't leave the state they live in New Jersey but New Jersey has incredibly good care in their state health care system to care for people with disabilities mm-hmm. they're like unlike any other state so they have they were there in graduate school but then they were like okay we have to stay here because if we move to any other state we lose all of the support care that we get you know, she gets to go to school and they have a special bus that comes and gets her and nurses who help out and, and care for her. But they would never be able to afford that kind of care. So one of them would have to quit their job and, and stay home with her, which, well, so anyways, yeah. So if we had more care, mm-hmm. then it would be so much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of things we could change. Yeah. Do you have like any insight into how like Iowa or Davenport compares like nationally? Or I don't. Um, my sense is that we're not doing great Mm -hmm. especially if you just look at things like curb cuts you know can anything wheelchair accessible very few things are wheelchair accessible even on campus like I had to lug a suitcase from a block away at my house and then to Rogalski and I was like I was thinking I was like if I was in a wheelchair I would have the hardest time traveling across campus and it was the first time I ever thought about that before right and it's interesting how, I mean, obviously I mentioned my pregnancies kind of opened my eyes to some mm-hmm. of the ways that, but when I was pregnant with my son and I had a toddler in a, like in a stroller and how much I needed doors because mm-hmm. my stomach was so huge mm-hmm. and he was almost 10 pounds when he was born. And then my... I also was stro- 10 pounds. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> and then you got the stroller out here and you're trying to like get in with the stroller and um yeah. just uh, stairs mm-hmm. um not having automatic doors mm-hmm. bathrooms that I can't fit my belly in you know you think like not everyone is you know 125 pounds right. not everybody can get in and out of some of the places but anyways it's interesting how you have life or you break your leg and you're trying to get around campus yeah, exactly. and you're like oh my gosh I where's the elevator you right. know where do I have to go yeah yeah and it's it's kind of like sad too that a lot of us have to experience Mm -hmm. like a disability before that we consider other people who have them and like they never go away right Mm -hmm. so I feel like 
that's why it's so important to talk about it so that people recognize that and not just when they they are disabled themselves. Right. And this goes back to another eco-ableist thing that I'm a little bit passionate about oh. is access to the wilderness. Oh. There's a lot of interesting research around how discourse around the wilderness is always about like this rugged individualism mm-hmm. actually it ties in with a lot of sort of like masculinity of yeah. like, the yeah. early 1900s and stuff but there's like environmental activists who are really opposed to making trails accessible really? yeah and um, so there's some some work being done there and and one example just um just one example is people arguing against having um, like boardwalks, mm-hmm. say in grasslands or in like um, like beaches that have dunes, and they think that oh, but it's such an eyesore to have all of these boardwalks, mm-hmm. and so they're like opposed to it. But at, and they're more accessible mm-hmm. or more accessible terrain or something put in, but they actually one of the biggest destruction of wildlife in those places is people going off trail Mm -hmm. and so it's really much more of an issue of able-bodied people going off trail that is Mm -hmm. doing the damage and actually the the boardwalks protect really protect because you're not even walking on the ground you know it's Mm -hmm. sometimes elevated and things so those are actually better for the ecosystem but they Mm -hmm. consider this eyesore this aesthetic eyesore Mm -hmm. so there's a putting up barriers that keep people um, with different uh, mobilities um, from being able to be out in nature. Mm-hmm. Going back to like the people opposed mm-hmm. to like widening trails, is there argument just like they don't want it to be wider, or like what's their? That is part of it. I mean, so one of the one of the pieces I read was I'm trying to remember what park it was, but uh, I should have reviewed all this before. <laughs> but um, one, they they think that there's going to be noise pollution when there's suddenly all these wheelchairs. Oh. Right? Um, that <laughs> that was one of the complaints. So that was one of the things that you know. These are like letters to the editor. This mm-hmm. one of this was done in the New York Times, but um, mm-hmm. and the kind of the kind of um, asphalt that you use versus just loose gravel that you could have on a trail oh. that isn't accessible. Um, but the gravel is still. I mean, the, the gravel is still an artificial yeah, thing that right. you're bringing in and changing the landscape for the gravel. And yes, you don't want it paved, but the gravel is still um, destroying the plants that are under it. So, yeah. oh, also, they so they were making, this was the one, they were making this trail accessible out to this cabin, this sort of um, like remote cabin. Mm-hmm. And they were complaining about if, like, if that's people shouldn't need like if, if they can't get to the cabin, then they shouldn't be at the remote cabin. But of course, there are stairs into the cabin. Oh. You know, it's kind of like we don't like we don't think about. Oh, actually, there are accommodations. Mm-hmm. The trail, even if it's a rugged trail to this cabin, the stairs that allow you to get up into the cabin are accommodations yeah. that are already made. Right. You know, so how we think about accommodations is also something that's to true. consider. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because if they're like, no trail, and be like, okay, fine, climb up the pole and get up to the house then. <laughs> like, you don't get stared. <laughs> right. I mean, there, if, we, if we really wanted to be like, it's just going to be nature, mm-hmm. then it is only accessible to people who are highly athletic mm-hmm. and can go on a rugged 
steep hike and, you know, stay in a tent. But the cabin in the woods is an accommodation, right? So it's just the way that we think about, Mm -hmm. you know, able-bodiedness as requiring no accommodation, which is just not the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, we have so many accommodations, like air conditioning. Right. And a bunch of stuff like that. Heating. Heating. That's a whole part of disability discourse. Like, if we had to, if we lived in Africa and we had to walk five miles to get our water and then carry our water back five miles on our head, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Seventy percent of our population would be considered disabled because they would not be able to get water for right, themselves, yeah. right? They would require assistance. Um, we just have water that comes into our homes, so there's a lot of ways that that we are accommodated. For sure, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also, I feel like with um, accessibility to nature, like if you're disabled, I feel like you can argue that. Because even, like, as older people, too, need right, that absolutely. access, too, that if we can get more people out into nature, then we can have more environmentalists, which right. would kind of make up the gap of, like, having a little more asphalt in nature, which if there's more people that care about it because they get to experience mm-hmm. right. it. Right. So, like, I feel like there's, like, a good argument to everything that, like, able-bodied people would be like, no. 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 Bad. <laughs> Bad. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yes, we will all be most likely, if we live long enough, if we're lucky enough to live long lives, we'll become disabled. Mm-hmm. And have we created a society that will actually allow us to get around and still live a full life mm-hmm. at that point? Right. We tried to go on a hike with my dad a couple of years ago. We, he lives in California. And he's had um, multiple knee replacements, and then he got this terrible staph infection and had to have part of his foot amputated and mm-hmm. has lost a lot of nerves in his foot, so he can't feel, like, so his balance is really hard. So mm-hmm. he uses a walker, and we try, you know, and my husband and I, we loved camping, you know. Mm-hmm. We wanted to get out. We're in California. It's amazing, right? It was in, like, December where it was freezing here, right? It was probably right. snow everywhere. Yeah. So we're like, we got to get out as much as we can. And there was very few places where we could go where he could participate oh. because he needed the walker. There was a few little, you know, go around this little circle and look at some native plants, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that was kind of it. So it would be great if they were more accessible. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like the disabled population is a lot bigger than we think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the things about if you see people out, you start to think about accommodations more but Mm. so there's areas in the country that are much more um, accommodating so a lot of a lot of um, people with disabilities flock to California Mm -hmm. Um, Berkeley is the site of one of the like biggest civil rights sit-ins of disabled people and San Francisco actually even with all its hills is a very accessible city so then you'll see a lot more people out Mm -hmm because a lot more people go there because they can get around and there's, you know, the public transit system is accommodating to the needs of people with disabilities, for example. So I, we don't see a lot of people here in Iowa. Right. But I think because we're not accommodating, where I mean, how can they yeah, get around? that's a good point. And I feel like us, we're like stuck in this bubble on campus with just people our age are mostly able-bodied and we, it's easy to forget that everyone's... And we're not exactly the most accommodating. Exactly. Or, yeah, even like, is... I mean, the elevators even? The elevator in Galvin just went in. 
Okay. Just this year. But, like, are the elevators in Rogalski, like, even accommodating for someone in a wheelchair? I think Rogo is. I think when you build a new building, okay. they have to be ADA compliant. Okay. And the ADA passed in 1990. Okay. Um, but old historic buildings have exemptions. Okay. And only when you spend so much money on the renovation are you then required to update it to be ADA compliant. Mm. So I'm sure Calvin is not. Yeah. Well, isn't our only – well, I know, like, um, Davis is, like, yeah, historic, right? Yeah, it's not up to date at all. I don't, I don't know. know. I thought it was, like, it's we so, can't tear it down because well, it's, Well, I like, heard historic. it's so cheap to live in because it's not up to standard. Well, it's got to be – Well, I mean, I'm sure it's up to fire code. I mean, they're not yeah. like that. But I just mean in terms of ADA. Yeah. Like, you probably – you know, I'm – yeah. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> reflect. But, um, you know – Ambrose Hall has elevators. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. haven't checked out the bathrooms. They're like in the back, though. Like you have to go all the yeah, way. Yeah, that place is a maze. I mean, but that's a yeah. very old historic building. Right. Yeah, that's true. It might. I don't know. Are the doorways wide enough? You know. Oh my gosh, I teach a class in Hayes by that terrible bathroom, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> that we have these tiny desks. Yeah. That of course I could not sit in one of those desks when I was pregnant because my belly because it's like old school you know like Mm -hmm. little but people who are bigger right Mm -hmm. people with larger body sizes also Mm -hmm. can't fit in so it's interesting yeah I even went um to Six Flags over the summer when my friends couldn't get on one of the rides because it didn't oh yeah yeah and she had to like get out and go down yeah I can't imagine like feeling yeah what it felt like to do that well and not having more accommodations for that is so weird because our population is like on average size yeah. I don't know what the average size is but it's getting like, bigger yeah. yeah so like why aren't we having those accommodations like we're excluding so many right. people but sizeism yep yeah the thing mm-hmm. especially like airplanes and stuff like that too and other things with seat belts yeah yeah it's interesting mm-hmm. and sad depressing it is i feel like i've taken you away from your eco focus no oh no everything goes back yeah sustainable intersectionality yeah Yeah. there you go that's really important (laughs) yeah yeah because kind of like the whole idea of eco ableism is focusing on focusing on the environment so much that you forget about everything else right Mm. and that's like with um environmental racism too because it's part of it which we're going to talk about in the coming weeks and just like a bunch of other stuff is like when you focus too much on one thing you're Mm -hmm. forgetting all these other people so your good act really isn't as good anymore if you're Mm -hmm. if you're discriminating against people Mm -hmm. exactly yeah it is true so what can we do to like change the narrative or like change help help these people that are discriminated against do you have I think just think about how we talk about disabilities, um, that we don't assume that a disability is like the worst tragedy that could ever befall someone. Yeah. Um, I was just, I don't know, I kind of follow a lot of disability activists on Twitter, and someone was, I don't know, do you hear that Bruce Willis has, is it aphasia, I think is what it's called? I think so. But it, it creates um, problem accessing language, and 
and someone posted like, oh my gosh, everyone's acting like Bruce Willis has died. Mm-hmm. You know, that that losing access to language is, is the worst thing that could ever befall you, you know. So just thinking, like not speaking in those terms. I mean, there's, oh my gosh, the, all these, the way that Hollywood approaches disability is terrifying. That always the person with a disability has to die. You know, Million Dollar Baby, which is probably before your time, but Hilary Swank's in this movie about this boxer, it's a kickboxer, UFC fighter or something. Mm-hmm. She gets um, paralyzed and chooses to basically um, have an assisted suicide. Oh. Rather than, you know, I mean, it's stuff like that. There was this other, oh, this other was like a romance. He's in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and like he leaves her all of his money or something. He's like a rich it's called but it's always ends in this story where the person with disabilities like has to die or sacrifice their life because it's and it's like a very reoccurring theme so I mm-hmm. think the way that we think about disability is not the the worst thing to be you know befall a person yeah um and just recognize that people with disabilities have the same wants and desires as everyone else just like they might want to get out in nature they might want to go for a hike um they, you know, and they might call it a hike. I love that when they when they talk about going on a hike and they're in a wheelchair. You know, mm-hmm. um, they might want to do all the same things, mm-hmm. have love, have broken hearts, you know, have sex, mm-hmm. everything that every other you know person wants. Yeah, so. and I feel like disabled people get asked weird questions a lot too, like <gasps> how, how they sex. Yeah, and yeah. how they do like certain things is like mm, you wouldn't ask an right. old like a you person wouldn't. who wasn't disabled. Absolutely. Because that's just, like, invasive. and like Absolutely. Yeah. But I follow, uh, or, I, like, kind of, like, on my For You page, and I try to follow them as well. I get a lot of, like, disabled people talking about their experience, like, on TikTok, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting because that's kind of how I got into thinking more about it and just talking about their experiences and, like, how they're, like, asked weird questions all the time, how they're ignored. Mm-hmm. And there was this one video, this girl, it was really funny. There was, like, a fire alarm went off but she was in a wheelchair and she was like on the third floor and you're not supposed to use the elevator. Oh, right. So she was just like sitting there. She's like, I don't know what to do because I'll get in trouble if I don't leave, but I can't go down the stairs Mm. on my wheelchair. So she's like, I'm just going to stay here and hope there's not a fire because like she couldn't go down the elevator. And she was like making a joke about it. But like if there was an actual fire, like that wouldn't be funny. Right. Right. Like what are they supposed to do? But that's just kind of like... Mm. I just like listening to their side of the story because I feel like you learn a lot Mm -hmm. because it's not talked about as much as other things. Yeah. But do you have any like social media? Well, I think that's a great, I mean, I think that's a great place to start Mm -hmm. following people on social media who are raising these issues. And and because honestly, just seeing people with disabilities is going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, you can't ignore it all the time when, yeah. The people that you follow on Instagram happen to also be in a wheelchair, right. you know? Yeah. yeah. It's good. This was a fun episode. Yeah, it was. It was I very learned. interesting. Yeah, I learned a lot. Me too. <laughs> Thank you for being yeah, here. Thank you. And on your birthday, Happy birthday too. Yeah. I know. She sacrificed well, your time. I did get water out of it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. It was worth your time. <laughs> yes. Thank she you. knew she would get something from. Me. Well, when you texted, what kind of water do you like? I was like, yeah. I might be getting a birthday. Gift. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Oh wait, disclaimer. Yes. Um, I got it. This podcast was recorded at the studios of KALA FM, St. Ambrose University. Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of K. 
KLA Radio or St. Ambrose University. Yay. <laughs> and we have our little uh, closing. Oh, yeah. Do you want to say it with us? We say, um, go bees and go green. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I always, forget I always, I always forget if it's, it's go, go bees, green or go bees, go but it's, it's go bees and go green. Okay. Yeah. Should we count down? Yeah. Ready? Three, two, one. Go, go bees and go, go green. green. Bye. Bye.